in part three of, of this series called First. And here's the greater idea for it. Um, we started the first week by talking about how uh, there's, there's a way God kind of says there's a way that's right. Uh, there's a way that we think's right, and then God says, there's, there's my way, and this is the best way you could possibly live. And he's trying to lead us in this. And over and over through scriptures, he keeps telling us, uh, this is the God of the Bible that says, if you will put me first, everything else will be taken care of. Um, in fact, the scripture we use to kind of build this around is Matthew 6, uh, 20, uh, 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you. Uh, and in that context, he's talking about a lot of different things that people worry about. And so the last two weeks, we've covered those. And essentially, he's saying, if you will put me first, all this other stuff, it will, it will be taken care of. Get your priorities straight, and everything else will work out. In fact, the first week, I gave this illustration. We said order is required. Uh, if, you're gonna have, if you want to have the kind of life that God wants you to have, and you want to live according to him, you have to live with order. And I brought this jar out, and I brought a mango, which represented God, and I brought some avocados, which I love, which represent like, the important things in life, like family. Uh, a few of those and then we had some candy some chocolate and then some little good and plenties like and, and if you do it in the wrong order you can't fit everything in the jar but if you do the correct order putting god first and putting those important things first then everything fills it, it fills up and it works it just fits and that's kind of the example of god gives us is if you do it if you put your, your priorities straight you're going to be able to have more capacity and you're going to be able to fill more things in life we said in fact god is a god of order this is, this is, we see it all around us, the way he created things, the way things work. And so we said, we, if we're going to follow his example, we have to be people of order and we have to put first things first so that everything will fit in life. And, and, and it helps us to, to stay on track. And then last week, Robert did a great job. Uh, Robert's one of our teaching pastors at the Grove and he talked about, um, um, how to keep God first. Cause a lot of times, especially as Americans, it's, it's, we like to jump into things and try things. Um, you know, for the first time we give it one or two times and then we're like, all right, that didn't work and we give up. And so sometimes it's not necessarily we, it's not that we don't want to put God first. We just don't know how to keep him first. And so last week was a big part of that. He said we're, he want to teach us how uh, to, to keep God first. And so he said instead of worrying about tomorrow, look for a way to participate in what God is doing today. Uh, one of the kind of the ideas, he says, don't drag all the things of tomorrow into today because they're not here yet. And by doing that, you actually fill up your day with things that aren't important. Because you're worrying about things you can't control, and it's pulling tomorrow into today. So he did a great job. He said, rather, choose to believe in the faithfulness of God. Um, and so we're kind of at this place where um, we're, we're trying to walk through these steps. For, so you have to understand, first, there is a God. And the thing I love about the Bible is uh, the Bible doesn't ever, it doesn't ever make a case for, for the existence of God. It works from this assumption that we all understand there's a God that created everything. It never makes a case by saying, hey, there's, this is why God exists, and this is... Uh, why we should listen to it it's just this assumption saying hey there's there's a god he created everything and if you want to figure out how he ordered ordered it then follow his way and you, you will begin to learn that you'll be able to to organize your life and so it's about believing there is a god first and then last week was really about stepping out and part of this is stepping out in faith and trying something you maybe never tried before uh, if you're new to church, if this is your first time coming or you haven't been for a long time, then you're really going to like to grow because our approach is saying, hey, we want to help you just figure out one thing this week that you can work on. Maybe two things, but whatever it is that God is maybe working in our lives, it's, it's take that step to continue this process of growing and maturing. And so uh, we, we gave this picture of these arrows. And a lot of times, you know, we see something, we see the fruit, um, and we want the fruit, but we don't always want to do the things that, that to get to the fruit. Like, for example, we want, we want a healthy marriage, right? We want to be a... Um, have healthy relationships with other people. We want the fruit of that health, of joy and laughter, but we don't always want to do the things that are required to get the, the fruit that we want, to get the, get the laughter and the joy. And we want to cut out the do, and we want to just go from see to get. And when we don't get right away, we, we sometimes give up. And so 
it's not about skipping. It's, it's working through the process and, and, and working in that. Uh, we give another picture. It's a tree. You know, we see the fruit on the tree, but a lot of times we don't see all of what, what it took to get that fruit from that tree. Um, we, we see the tree. We see the fruit. But what, the under, under parts that's not seen, that's the important parts a lot of times that, that, that's taking place. And so we're really talking about that. You know, we want to get the fruit, but let's figure out what's going on underneath, and let's figure out those principles so we can have really good fruit in our life. So today we're going to talk about the trust factor. All right. Uh, I heard a story about a man who, who loved avocados. So it's not me. Uh, I do love avocados. And uh, he loved avocados so much, he said, I'm going to go grow some avocado trees. All right, so he went to the store, said, hey, I need to grow some amazing avocados. So the guy says, well, here's the seed or the pit that, that will help you grow that tree. So he took the seed. He said, you sure this is going to be amazing avocados? Yeah, this is going to be great. So he took that, that, that pit, and he went and planted it in the ground. And uh, he got it all ready, watered it one day, watered it two days, watered it three days, and he went to the store and said, you lied to me. That did not grow amazing avocados. And the guy says, well, you've only had it three days, but I watered it every day. Well, yeah, but it's only been three days. But I should have avocados. He said, amazing avocados. Said, Sir, this is going to take a while. It's going to take, take a lot of work. You have to keep going. It's going to take a while to get there. So just keep, keep the process going. You're doing the right thing. Keep, keep watering it. Uh, keep talking to it or singing to it, whatever you're doing. Just it'll, it'll grow some amazing avocados. So the man goes back, waters it for one month, waters it for two months, waters it for three, three months, no avocados. So he's really discouraged, comes back, says, hey, you told me this is going to grow amazing avocados, and th- you lied. I want my money back. The guy says, sir, it, it's, you, do you know that it takes a while? You know, I, he had a little plant coming up. There's no avocados yet. He says, sir, uh, you, do you know uh, it'll take a, a, an avocado tree three to four years to produce a, a fruit, right, um, to produce avocado? He says, well, I didn't know that. I, just, I want amazing avocados. And he says, well, yeah, it'll take three to four years, and sometimes it'll take actually 15 years for a tree to produce fruit. And so the man says, well, heck with that. I don't want that. I want, I'm going to go to the store and get some avocados. So he gives up on his avocado tree and goes to the store uh, and buys avocados, never produces trees, um, and doesn't get, doesn't get it. This man is actually us a lot of times in life. You and I are this man. We try things. We want the fruit of something, and we'll give it a day. We'll give it two times, three times. And because it doesn't produce something instantly, we give up on it and we stop. And a lot of times, it's actually the process that we're going through that is more important than actually what we're going to get to. See, we we get fixated on the destination of something that we forget there's a process that leads to that destination. There's a – I have – a couple years ago – so I've been been a pastor for now – I've gone 16 years as a pastor – and uh, for, for the first time in, as being a pastor a few years back, we finally had a salary that, you know, my family could live on. It was, I didn't have to do side jobs. Uh, it was pretty nice. It was, it was comfortable. It was, it was really good. And, and in the middle of this, um, God asked me to step away from the salary um, into, into the unknown. And so I left where I was at to really to prepare for the Grove. And I didn't know it was going to be called the Grove. I didn't know what it, what it was going to look like. And I, we stepped away from this really comfortable place into the unknown. And, and I'm going to tell you truth. It was a little scary uh, because I didn't know what was going to happen. Walking away from a salary to no money. And so uh, there was a step of saying, all right, I think you're really calling me to do this. So I'm going to trust you and step out on this. But I don't know what this is going to look like. And in the middle of this, I have a good friend. Uh, his pastor, he said, he, he said Eric, I uh, think God wanted me to tell you something. And he said, I think uh, he showed me this, this picture. And he said, you're in the middle of this cloud and you're holding on to this rope. And all you see is fog, and you really don't understand what's going on. But he wants you to know that he's holding that rope, and he's leading you through the fog. If you'll just hold on, he'll get you there. And it was very, it was very helpful, because in the middle of that, in that process, sometimes you want to give up. Well, the avocados aren't growing. I, I give up. I'm going to go do something else. And he said, just, just hang on. Just keep going. You're going to get there. 
See, we're going to do this long bike ride. That, that word was very helpful to me because it, it told me to keep, keep waiting, keep, keep going. You know, it took seven months before I got to the fog. Yeah, seven months. And this is in the middle of that. You I mean, God is doing something, but it, it took a while to f- finally figure out, oh, this is what it's going to look like. And then another seven months to say, oh, wow, this is what it looks like. And, and still in the process, you still figure out more and more of the journey. But the, it's not always the destination we think is not always the most important thing. It's what we're, what's being produced in us as we go through it, as we go through something. See, in, in, in the scripture that we're reading, in, in Matthew 6, it's part of, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's uh, the first recorded sermon that message that Jesus taught. If you, if you are new to church, maybe you don't uh, really know about, you know, we're a Christian church. So we follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. We believe he's the son of God. It came from heaven to show us a better way, to die on that cross for us. Well, if you want to know what Jesus is teaching, this is a good summary of a lot of what he's saying. Hey, this, is, this is how I want you to live. It starts in Matthew 5. It goes through Matthew 7. And so in Matthew 6, when we're talking about not worrying about the clothes and about what to eat and all these other things that take our time, but just trusting him, this is found in the middle of that sermon that he's talking about. I would encourage you to go read it. And as he goes through the don't worry part, saying, hey, just trust God, put him first and everything else will work out. Well, the next, one of the next teachings he goes, goes into is he talks about a tree. A good, a, a, um, a good tree will produce good fruit, and a bad tree will produce bad fruit. And he, goes, he says one of the things that we recognize if you're, about people's in life is what, what their lives are producing, the fruit that their life is producing. So pay attention. And then he ends the teaching by saying this. He says, therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine, these teachings, and puts them into practice, so he's saying if you hear them, but then you do something with it, you're going to be like a wise man who builds his life upon a solid rock so that when the storms come, the house will stand. He says, if you don't, don't listen, you keep doing your own way, you'll be like a foolish man who builds your house upon the sand. When the storms come, the house will crumble. And so he gives all this teaching, and he says, if you want to be wise, follow, follow my teachings. Do what you hear, put it into practice. So for us as the Grove, our heart is to say, hey, this week, we start the week off. You know, the series is called First. The idea is we put God first. Because over and over throughout Scripture, he's saying, if you'll keep me first, things will work out. Keep me first, things will work out. When you put him off to the side and begin to do your own thing, things don't work out. So you say, put me first. Sunday, we start the week off saying, God, we put you first today. It's even one of the first things we do Sunday morning. We're saying, God, we put you first. We want, want to make you priority so that our week will be in order. It'll, it'll be able to walk down this, this process. He said, if you hear these words of mine and put them in practice, if you do it, you'll get there. Have you ever misinterpreted something in life? You know, you're going through something. The story I was telling, talking about when I was, I was uncertain. Um, I misinterpreted things in that journey because I thought it was about something else when really God was saying, in this process, who you're becoming is more important than where I'm taking you. I mean, can you imagine? Um, okay, maybe you can't, it wouldn't be too hard to imagine. You're on this journey to get to a successful retirement, all right? You're working hard. You're saving up. You're doing all these things. So when you can retire, you're, you're, uh, you're free to do these things. Well, in that process, wouldn't it be horrible to be able to accumulate all of the resources, all the things you need, only to get there to find that you're not happy? That's horrible, right? You'd be like, I just hate life, and you're, you have it all, but you do, you're just not, you're not in a good place. You're not healthy. Well, the, the, perp, the point is not the destination. It's the process to get there. You know, in marriage, sincerity and my, myself, uh, my wife led the worship day. She did a great job. Good job, sincerity. Um, we want to have a healthy marriage. We want to be in, in, in 30 years, 40 years down the road. We want to be able to, to smile and laugh with each other. That's the destination. But wouldn't it be horrible to say, well, that's the goal. We're going to eventually get there. But in the process, we become more and more, you know, um, against each other. 
and maybe we make it 30 years, but then we don't really enjoy being with each other. It's not always the destination. It's the process that it takes to get there. And a lot of times we misinterpret things in the wrong, in the wrong way. And we, for example, we go through something difficult. We think, oh, this must mean God doesn't love me. We, we go through something challenging. We think, oh, man, I think he has it out for me. Or in fact, it might be the opposite. See, in the, in the Proverbs, it says that the Lord tests the heart, the hearts of his people. God tests our hearts. When he... And, and the way you test things is by putting them through, through different trials. Uh, in fact, that scripture, it says um, fire is used to test gold, right? So it's this purification process. You go through something really difficult, really hot to find out what's there. The impurities have to come out. Well, and then he goes into the Lord test the heart the same way. He allows us to go through things so we can, so, and I don't think it's because he doesn't love us, but it's the opposite. He allows us to go through things so that we can become somebody he wants us to become. In that process, we're growing and maturing and learning more about him. He puts us through these things, but we misinterpret those things as he must not love me. I saw reality TV this last week. There's this guy, this coach. He goes and finds these people that want, want to lose a lot of weight. He starts coaching them for a few weeks, and then he sends them home to do it on their own to see if they can you know, keep the, the disciplines going. Um, well, there's this man who he had a lot of talk. He wanted to lose the weight. He wanted to be healthy, um, but as soon as they send him home, he began to order the pizza, begin to eat the chips, begin to eat all the things they told him. This is not going to help you lose weight. This is not. So he was gone for four weeks, and he lost zero pounds. So you know what the trainer said? I don't have time for this. You really don't want to lose weight, so I'm out of here. And the trainer says, I hope you figure this out, but you are not serious. You have a lot of talk, but there's no action. And he walked away. I think it was the best thing that guy could have probably could have happened because that guy ended up losing weight, coming back on the show, and you know, doing a great thing. But in the process, he spoke a lot, but he really didn't do, do, do much with it. Let's not be people of, of a lot of talk. Let's be people of action. Step into it. Lean into those things and say, let's do the things that we need to. There's a story of this man named Job. It's, it, they believe it's the oldest story in the Bible. Okay? One of the first stories that was ever written. But this, this man who, who God blesses and has a relationship with God, and the, the enemy comes and has a conversation with God saying, well, Job, yeah, he has it easy because you blessed him with all this stuff. You take away that stuff, he's going to curse you to your face. He's going he's to walk away from your relationship. And so God says, okay. Let's test this, all right? And I don't think this is out of hate. Out of, it's just the story of saying, God, all right? He lists, he lists that and allows the enemy to begin to, to test Job. And the story is kind of invented. It's kind of horrible in the beginning because Job loses everything. But through this process, Job stays strong, saying, no, I'm going to trust in the faithfulness of God. I'm going to keep going. And in the end, God blesses Job and he returns everything. And it's this idea that um, there's going to be these challenges that come to us. But we can't misinterpret these as God's, God's uh, of, of thinking that God doesn't love us, but rather, what is God trying to create in us? Man, if, if, if there's pure gold in us, how are we going to get it out? And this is the reason I want to talk about today. We talk about putting God first, but as soon as you make a declaration of saying you're important, you know what happens? You're tested on that. Let's see how important this is. All right, so you want to ride 500 miles. Let's see how important this is. Can you wake up in the morning, early in the morning, so you could train and so you get everything else in? We're going to test these things. So this happens to Job. Jesus, in the story of, of the disciples, Jesus is talking to Peter, one of the main disciples, one of the closest ones to him. And Peter comes and says, God, Jesus, I'll never, I'll never abandon you. I'll never, I'll never leave you. I'll never run away. And Jesus says, no, actually, you're going to abandon me and run away, and you're going to deny me three times. And, and he goes on to say, Peter, the enemy has asked to sift you. Okay, like wheat. The idea that he, he's, the enemy is trying to cut off the potential for you to produce something in life. And he says, after you've been tested, restore your brothers. Come back. You know what Jesus doesn't say? 
hey, the enemy's come to, to ask to test you, and I stopped him. Rather, he said, and the test is going to be for your benefit. It's going to help you grow stronger. We have an enemy that wants to test us and tempt us and mess up um, our relationship with God. And we have, we have God who's saying, all right, there's going to be these different times that you're going to go through stuff, but I'm trying to build something in you. I, I met with a, a pastor friend of mine, and he told me about this new hobby he's been doing. And he showed me a picture of, of, one, of the, one of the dressers he made. He's, he's started doing woodworking. Um, and he gave me this, he showed me this picture of the thing he made. And um, I was like, wow, that's really good. And he showed me all these pictures. And he said, Eric, the first one I made, um, they call it the carcass, you know, without the drawers and without the painting stuff. It's just, it's just the shell. He said, it was out of square. I couldn't get it right. He said, I, I gave up. He literally gave up, went in the house and says, told his wife, I can't do this. I can't figure it out. I just gave up. I'm not made for this. And his wife said, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. So after some time, he went back and kept going at it and eventually figured out how to get it square. And, and eventually came out. And he says, here's the problem, Eric. A lot of times we see the finished results of things, but we don't see the consistency and the, the effort that goes into getting those things. We see the fruit, but we don't see the root, all the, all the work day in and day out of, of having those roots grow and, and work and plant. In our lives, what do those roots represent? Man, healthy relationships, they, they represent conversations that we have to have with people, sometimes hard ones, but it's going down. See, today's fruit is, is, is a result of last year's work and sometimes previous year's work. What we have today and, and what people have today, the fruit that's in their life, is because they put years of work into this. And tomorrow's fruit will come from today's work. What are you doing today that's going to produce fruit tomorrow? Are you like the avocado guy that says, um, I just can go to the store and buy somebody else's fruit and buy somebody else's good stuff? That will last for a while. But what happens when they stop selling those at the store? You have no avocados. Man, I need to go grab a avocado tree. Man, God, avocado tree. Oh, and if you plant multiple trees, they cross-pollinate, and they, and they grow more, and it works better. So this idea of having more people in your life, you know, that helping you grow together. So in some cases, it takes, it takes years to get this fruit. Are you willing to put in the years? And most, I'm going to say most, most Americans especially are saying, no, I want it now. I said, no, it's going to take years. It's going to take, and a lot of times the, the place that we're in in life, sometimes we're frustrated where we're at. Well, how long did it take us to get there? Usually years. So it might take us years to get out of that place. But don't give up. You just have to keep going down this, this process. And here's, here's, I think, when it comes to being um, in a relationship with God, trust is a huge part of this. All right? And in fact, trust is the foundation for every relationship. If you want to have a healthy relationship with your kids, you have, they, have to learn that you, they have to learn to trust you. And that's hard for kids. If you're going to have a healthy relationship with other people, you have to establish trust. In fact, one of, one of the guys I read a lot, mentors, John Maxwell, he says, uh, earning people's trust is the number one responsibility of the leader. Can I tell you you're all leaders in here in some aspect, at your work, at your home, wherever it is, you're a leader somehow, you're, you're influencing people. The number one job is to earn people's trust. You know what the number one thing the enemy goes for against us and God? He wants to break down our trust with God. The Bible opens up with the story of God saying, all right, he creates all these great things, creates man and woman, and says, all these trees you can eat of, they're good. Just don't eat that one. And you know what the enemy gets them to focus on? The one thing, the one minimum, the, the minimal choice that the enemy said, uh, that, that God said not to. He says, hey, you know what? God's holding something back from you. He began to try to deceive and test them by saying, God is keeping something really good from you. Man, don't trust him. And because they listen to the lies of the enemy and they, they begin to, to, to let go of their trust of God, they messed up. 
and they fell. The enemy is always trying to break down that foundation of trust between us and God. Well, one of the ways we earn trust and we grow trust is by going through stuff. The reason I can trust my wife so much in, in our uh, marriage is because we've gone through different stages where we say, that was really difficult. I didn't know if we think we were going to make it through that, but we made it through. And then another difficult thing. And then going through challenges with kids and going with family. And the whole time we're able to say, hey, we have each other. We can keep doing this. And every time we go through something, there's a little more trust that's earned. Not always. Sometimes maybe trust is taken away and we lose it. But it's a process of saying, hey, if we're going to grow this, we have to continue on this process of going with, with each other. So how would somebody know that you trust them? You, you, t- you, you say, I trust you. How would somebody know that? Trustful. <laughs> so there you said trustful. Yeah, it would be a test. The only way you could really know if somebody means that is by testing. Oh, that was weird. I thought somebody else was starting to speak. Yeah, by, by testing them. And this is why God allows us because it's not because he's trying to say, man, I'm, I'm really going to show you there what's there. But he's saying, I want for your benefit to figure out what's there so you can grow beyond that. You can move past that. You can see really what's there so you can grow from that. There'll be strength and there'll be encouragement in that. See, I, um, I had some great conversations this week with some amazing people on the bike ride with some other pastors that were in town and meeting with them. One of, one of my friends, he's, he's a pastor down, down south, um, he, he did a marathon recently. And he ran this marathon, and, and towards the end of it, his knee, he worked it too hard, and he ended up hurting his knee. He couldn't walk, run the rest of the marathon, so he had to walk and hobble. But he made it, and he got the jacket. I guess there's a specific jacket you get from, from running. You get the medal and stuff. I've never been on a marathon, but after he told the story, I'm like, I want to run a marathon. But I hope I don't hurt myself. And, and he, he told me about this story of just overcoming the, the challenge of having a hurt knee but being, you know, traveling to a different state and different city to, to run this thing with a whole bunch of people. And conquering it, and it was really difficult and really hard. Well, you know, in the process, this is what we talked about. He says, it's not always the destination that is so important. I mean, yeah, it's great to have the medal and the jacket, but during that process of training, man, you get healthier. You know, if, if you're training for something, you're running, you're exercising, some of the, the, the biggest benefits are unseen. Your heart gets healthy, which is one of the most important things, right? Your heart is beginning to get healthier. Your body's getting healthier. For, for me, when I'm on the bicycle and I ride, man, I can think through things. I can think about things. I get to process more. There's this, there's this part of it that you, you really didn't, you weren't maybe prepared for. On that journey, you begin to experience other things. Today, you might be going through something, maybe something difficult, maybe something not so difficult, whatever it is, but you're on a journey to becoming someone. Who are you becoming? Let me just tell you about Jer- Jeremiah says, um, in Jeremiah 17, uh, God is talking about, about not putting our trust in, other, in man. You know, don't ever put your hope in something that can change, and man can change. You know, don't put your hope in money because the stock market can switch. You, you don't put your hope in things that can change. You, you want to try something you can put your, 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 your hope and your trust in that will, that will be unshakable, that will always stand. And this is what God is telling us. He says, don't put your trust in man. But he says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him, they will be like a tree planted by the water that send out its roots by the stream. He's saying there's this, this resource you could tap into if you'll trust God that's going to produce something. In fact, he says, when, you, when, when you're this man, you're happy, you're blessed. He says, it does, the tree does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Last week, talk, Robert talked about, about worry, right? 
These are two of the biggest things that keep us from trusting God, worry and fear. I'll say the third one is probably doubt. And these are the things the enemy is always going to try to get into our lives that says, hey, man, you should be fearful about this. You should be worrying about this. You, you, you don't trust God for this. But if trust is the foundation, he's going to take us through a process where we can figure out how to trust him more. Man, begin to, to put your trust in God. He says, blessed is the man who puts his trust in God. When we declare God, you're first. The next thing is, let's see if you really mean this. All right, here's the test. Your day gets busy. Do you really mean this? Keep me first. The next day comes. All these things keep going on. See, because in our, in, our, in our picture that we show, the next one, we see what we want. We see the fruit of, of what we want to go for. But we don't always, don't always want to do the things we need to do. We need to keep doing so we can get those things that God has for us. We want health. We do it. Life is very cyclical. Throughout our years, you know, we see the seasons, summer, fall, winter, spring, right, over and over and over. I go, go through the seasons over and over. I guess it would be this way for you guys going this way. And we keep going through the cycle, right, and you see this big circle. And sometimes life can be just like a big circle. It's just kind of going through the same thing, same challenges. They come and go. They come and go. I know, I know for one of my mentors, he told me for a long time, he just kind of felt like, man, I would, I would overcome these things, and they would come back, and I would go through this thing, and it would come back. And, and over and over, he's like, he asked God, God, why does it feel like I just keep going over and over in circles around the same things? And God says, well, from your perspective, you're, you kind of see it like that. But if you look at my perspective, it's like this. And, and he showed him this picture of a spiral. If you go to the next one. And he said, the question is, are you going up? Or in the circle, are you going down? Because we're all circling around, but are you circling up? Or are you circling down? Life is not static. It doesn't stay still. It's dynamic. It's always changing. So if you find yourself in that, in that, that spiral, that spring, where, whatever position you're at, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Nothing stays still. You don't stay there. It's either up or it's down. Every day, every week, you're either getting better at something or you're regressing and going backwards. In life, you're going to go around seasons and cycles and challenges over and over. But are, are you make, letting those make you better or are those making you worse? Are, are you becoming better or are you becoming bitter? Are you becoming happier or are you becoming angry? What, what are the things that you go through? I would say it depends on who you have your trust in. Because if your trust is in something that's unstable, you're going to be finding yourself going down a lot. Because you're looking at the wrong things. Jesus says, if you'll seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, all these things will be added. See, Jesus, he, he tells us prayer, says, man, when you pray, pray like this. And part of his prayer was saying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Before he, we even pray for our needs, which God wants us to pray for our needs, he says, before you do that, put him first. Say, God, let your will be established. Why? Because we begin to see how maybe God sees and we begin to act and respond differently, and our prayers even begin to change. Seek his first. See, Jesus believed enough to lay his life down. There's one point he even said, all right, God, this is really difficult. Man, I take this cup away from me because I don't know if I can handle it. But your will, not my will, be done. It says Abraham, one of the fathers of the faith, he said he trusted God enough to walk in the direction of the unknown, to say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to walk with you. Adam and Eve, they didn't trust God. And we see the results. The opposite of fruit are weeds. And when it comes to, let's go to this next one. Trust is the soil. 
in which the seeds we plant will grow into healthy relationships which produce good fruit. So trust is that soil that we're planting these seeds in and saying, all right, it's going to grow into some good fruit. You want to know the real potential of a tree? It's not the fruit it can grow, all that's good. It's how many more other trees it can produce from that tree and from that seed. See, the real potential is in the fruit is who else we're going to impact in life. A lot of times as Americans, we're so self-centered that we all we think about is me, 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 and the fruit I can have. But if you produce a life that produces fruit, that fruit that is good is going to spread to the next generation, going to spread to your neighbors, your coworkers, to others around us. The real potential in, in the life that we live and doing the hard things and getting fruit is not just for ourselves. There is benefit. But it's to help others. It's to produce more trees. To help others. How many more trees can that one fruit produce? And how many years is it going to take to produce that fruit? We can't get stuck in the wrong things. James, he says, James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote a book towards the end of the Bible called James. And he said, don't be a hearer, just a hearer of the word. Be a doer. You have to be a doer. And he talks about faith and action. He said, your trust and your faith without action is actually a dead faith and a dead trust. But your faith partnered with action shows that you really believe. So some of us have said, God, we trust you. And he says, okay, how much do you trust me? And he gives us his opportunities. One of the reasons the Bible talks about money so much is because money is a good indication of where our heart is. In fact, one of the comparisons Jesus says, you can either serve God or you can serve money. He even says this is like the one competing thing with God. It shows where your heart is. It's one of the places God says, test me in this. A lot of scriptures says don't put God to full, your door to a foolish test. But there's one scripture that says, test me in this and see that I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. You know what that, that testing is around? Us trusting God to do it his way and to follow his way. So, before you can maybe get the wrong deal, I start talking about money. Um, if, if Don't hear that I'm saying you need to give money to the church. All right? Um, hear me saying this. You need to do things because God's way because when you do them God's way, your life is going to be blessed and it's going to be great. And if you ever think that I'm just asking for our church, man, don't give to our church then. But that's not a cop-out to say we can't give, do God's way and give to others. Find a ministry. Find somebody, some place you can give away from yourself. Because part of the trust in God is saying, I'm going to do it your way. This is what our time, we'll figure out how to serve others. It's with our talents, and it's with our treasure. We're saying, God, we want to be good stewards of this. Today in the offering, there's going to be an envelope that says Joaquin Montoya. It's going to be one of the most precious offerings that we've probably received at the Grove. Because our son is learning how to give a portion of what he's earned back to God to help the ministry go forward, help, help the kingdom advance. It's cool. Well, we're passing that on. That's the good fruit that we pass on to our kids. You know what's going to happen to Joaquin? And I'm, I'm already going to tell you what happened. He tithed, and he found dills on his Legos. It's cool. He wanted Legos. So we found half-off Legos. Legos are expensive. Half-off is a really good, good thing. He didn't just buy two. He bought like three or four. And I'm like, oh, man, holy moly. He got a lot. But he tithed. He saved some. He even began to give some to his friends. It's pretty cool. His heart is generous. That's not an accident. It's because somebody's saying, I'm going to be intentional in how I handle things. In fact, God says when you do it his way, and you give a portion away from, from your first fruit, it's called. Uh, you know, talking about first. Um, he says that he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. The idea is um, 
the ten, the, the percentage you give away, the, uh, the rest that's left that he says you're going to use, he actually protects it and covers it. And get, you can do more with that than you can do with the whole hundred. Does that make sense? So when I say, hey, be faithful in giving, I'm not saying I want something from you. I'm actually saying I want something for you. Because when you're faithful in doing it God's way, everything else is blessed. Everything else is covered. And this applies to finances. It applies to our relationships. When you do it God's way, everything else, there's a blessing that comes with it. Because he says, all right, you're getting it. There's principles. In fact, the more generous you become, the more God's going to give you. And the better you do at doing hard things, it's kind of funny, but you know how God rewards you for doing a, a good job well, uh, a hard job well? You know how, how? He gives you a harder job. You're like, I don't want more work. No, because that's his way of saying, you've done a good job with this, you can handle more. There's a story of the talents that Jesus tells. He says, he gave one this many talents, this many talents, this many. And because the guy that had you know, a few talents, did, did mul- he multiplied it, God gave him more and said, all right, good job. So God's kingdom works. In fact, I think there's going to be a lot of Christians that get to heaven and they're going to be a little upset and maybe even disappointed in some ways because they thought the destination was the point and they're going to get up there and say, what, we have to do work? And they missed the idea that work is a part of how God wired us. I heard a radio interview. This guy, he's a French. He worked for a company. He's French. And for 12 years, he was getting a salary from this company. $4,800 $4,800 a month, all right? And he was drawing a salary. We didn't have to do anything in the company or Google or something. It's, it's a pretty interesting story. He's suing this company for 500 million euros because they messed up his career. And he drew from, the, from, from this company for, for 12 years. A lot of money, all right? Here's the point that really bugged me. The radio guys that were talking about it, he says, can you imagine? That's the American dream. That's like everything I've ever wanted to be able just to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And not have to work and do anything, just sit at home. That's, that's like, that's the American dream. And I'm like, that's really the American dream? That's a really, like, boring dream. Because the truth is, when you just sit at home and do everything you want, you're going to be unhealthy. You're going to eventually get bored. You're going to have to do something. Because God never wired us just to sit and, and live a life of ease. He made us to, be, to produce and to do something with our lives. The journey that God takes us through is because he's trying to produce something. There's gold inside of us. And as he puts us through fire, the gold is revealed. The impurities are also revealed so we can scrape them away and let the, the gold shine through. You know, you know, a diamond, you know, it's made in this, this ugly thing, compressed with pressure and heat, and eventually something beautiful comes out. Life is like that sometimes. We go through really difficult things, but, the, but if we put our trust in God, he'll produce something beautiful in it. The real potential of our, the fruit in our life is not just for us. It's for others. And God says, you put me first and you trust me, you'll be blessed like a tree planted by water who produces. Can you imagine this whole year? Maybe not the whole year. Let's not go that long. Can you imagine this next week? If every single day you said, God, I'm going to put you first. All right, when it comes to my finance, I'm going to put you first. When it comes to my family, I'm going to put you first. When it comes to my time, I'm going to put you first. When you put your priorities straight, can you imagine in one week what you could accomplish, what you can do? What will be protected? A lot. Maybe you don't even go a week. What if you put God to first today? What if starting tomorrow you put God first and every single day you did it? Here's the thing that last week Robert said is really key. Consistency is so, so important. 
you know, we're starting a new school year. This is we kind of get back in a routine. I would encourage you, man, get things in your life that are going to help you be consistent. Sunday mornings is a great way. A lot of you guys come faithfully every week. Thank you so much that you trust our church. A lot of you invite your friends. Thank you so much that you trust our church to invite your friends. Be consistent. Come, come and, and learn and grow in your, in your Bible. Man, open your Bible and read it. Even it's a short little thing saying, I, I want to learn something in your prayer time. So here's our, here's the, we're talking about trust factor. Here's our challenge, all right? So the challenge is this, that we need to embrace the process that God takes us through. Grow your trust in God by doing one thing this week that God is asking you to do. What is the one thing maybe God is asking you to do? Maybe if you're, if you're a husband, that one thing you can do is serve your wife or your kids. What is the one thing God is asking you this week to do? And I guarantee, if you hear and you figure out what he wants you to do that one time, He's going to bless it, and you'll begin to see fruit if you keep doing it. Don't just water it one day. Don't just water it two days. You've got to keep going. Keep going. Don't give up. So that's our challenge this week. Learn to grow your trust. And the way we grow our trust is by going through challenges, going through difficulties. And don't misinterpret those as God's way of not loving you, but rather saying there's gold inside of you. I want to bring it out. There's something good there. Let me help you see it and find it. All right, so maybe today you're here. We talk about putting our trust in God, and um, maybe this is your first time coming, and you have, you're like, okay, this is this is nice and all, but what does this mean for me? Because man, I don't know if I can trust God, and I get that. Especially if you had people in your life that were authority figures that were uh, not good representations, because a lot of times we we associate God with the people in our lives um, with authority figures that maybe abuse their privileges and power, and we think, well, God must be like that. In fact, I heard an interview about this guy who's an atheist, doesn't believe there is a God, and he explained the God that he doesn't believe in, and you know what? I don't believe in that God either. Because the God he explains says, that's nothing the God of the Bible. That is some other God that you created and made up. I don't believe that either. But if you hear, the first step would just to believe. That's the first step, saying, all right, I believe there's a God. The next step would be, all right, I need to take a step of faith. In all the stories that we see over and over, somebody took a step of faith to, to, to do something that God asked them to do. And then as they took those steps of faith, God responded and blessed them and helped them, and their trust began to grow. If you want to learn to trust God, you have to step out in faith. But I have to start with believing in God. If you're here today, maybe you've never taken a step towards God. Maybe this is new to you. Um, the Bible says that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross to redeem us, to stand in our place where we should be paying for that, that payment of, of death and sin. He stepped inside us in our, in, in, in our behalf and said, I'm going to step in the middle for you. And that's the idea of, of, of this beautiful story of Jesus. He says, I'm going to come and give you a, a way back to God. If you're here today and you're looking for something, maybe answers, can I tell you Jesus is the best answer you could find? He's the greatest thing that ever happened to our world and if, if you don't know his story read his story it's amazing read his teachings they're phenomenal you know he tells he tells us to love the people that don't even love us who tells us that only god why because he loves the people that even don't love him he cares for them if you're here today maybe you're saying you know what i i need something in my life i want to learn to trust god the first, very first step you need to take is saying, God, I acknowledge that I need your help. 
That's huge. Because letting go of pride, saying I can't do it on my own. And saying, God, I acknowledge that, that you are God and I am not. I put you first. Do me a favor. If you're here, would you close your eyes and bow your head? Bow your heads. If you're here today and you want to take a step, maybe you've been coming for weeks, months, and you've never taken that step of saying, no, I'm going to trust God with my life. And today you want to say a prayer that would invite God to do that. Would you raise your hand? Awesome. You're here today and you need the answers, you need help. Can I tell you, God is he's waiting for you. In fact, the scriptures, they explain it, that he's, it says he's standing and knocking on the door of your life, your heart. And it says if you'll just let him in, he'll come and eat with you. He'll come and help you. If you're here today and you need to invite God into your life, one more time, would you raise your hand? Awesome. Awesome. I saw those hands. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer just saying, God, I need your help. I want to trust you. Would you just repeat this prayer with me? Just say, Father God, today I invite you into my life. I ask you to lead me. I put you first, above all else. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my past. Create in me a new heart, a new life. I want to walk with you. I want to trust you. Help me to trust you. Help me to step out in faith. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. And thank you that you're alive today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.